Hi everybody, this is Kirsten Karen, and you are listening to Her Name Podcast, part of the Vintage Case Files series. But today, (laughs) this is a bonus episode, and in fact is not about a her at all, it's going to be about a him. Sorry, hold on, excuse me, pardon me as I like move a bunch of stuff off my desk. Uh... Here's what I was thinking. I was thinking that it would be kind of fun if I did like a bonus episode um, that was sort of, uh, well, a bonus from the additional programming, as it were. And um, if, uh, if it in fact was not about a her, but about a him. Did I already say that? Here's the thing. So I spent an hour and a half or more recording this, but the recording was corrupted somehow. I thought it would be really funny if I did like a drunk episode, so I started drinking and then it like fucking didn't work, so then I started drinking more and at this point I'm surprised that I am still like upright. Um, (laughs) So welcome to this bonus episode of Kirsten's super fucking drunk and then like twice as drunk as she planned to be while she did this oh yeah sorry um content warning this episode will contain adult language and lots of fucks because that's just how I am I swear to god you guys I'm gonna fucking cry if I spend another like hour hour and a half and this does not like if the recording doesn't fucking save I have no idea what happened last time it was fucking insanity so um <clears throat> I uh okay here's the deal I am like half a bottle maybe more of whiskey in my system but sometimes that's fun we'll see how this one goes I really since my last episode and all the research I did on Tommy Tompkins part of that research you know I brought up excuse me I brought up uh, Mike Kolondorsky okay I've really kind of become fascinated with him like there's just so I had so little information other than just who he was in the context of Tommy's story and I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into Mike's story um I I know that so my my whole thing behind the the Her Name podcast series was you know to to kind of highlight cases and and women in particular who were not well known whose cases were not well known but it's the same thing with Mike so I really feel like this is just kind of a fun bonus fun fuck what me Mm. it's it's a bonus episode hopefully it's fun I feel like Mike's okay with this like he was a pretty he was a pretty chill dude he wasn't chill at all he was actually very he was a big personality I feel like I I feel like I could maybe drink him under the table though honestly because I hold my liquor pretty well um Anyway, whatever. I feel like he'd be fine with this. But before we get into that, um, did I give my adult content warning? Hi. Hello. My name is Kirsten Karen, and I am drunk off my ass. Uh, yes, lots of adult language. So there's that. Also, this doesn't involve a murder, but it doesn't 
No, it does involve a murder. Just because it's war doesn't mean it's not a murder. Mike was fucking murdered by a goddamn Nazi. Fuck you, Nazis. Uh, but also, um, trigger warning, I guess, maybe a little bit late. Spoiler alert. No, if you le- if you listen to the last episode, you know what happens to Mike. So, oh my god, this is a fucking mess. <laughs> it was a lot better when I was like an hour's worth less drunk, if that makes sense. But let's go ahead and rewind. Okay. Before we get really involved in this, I really want to give you um, a little more clarification, some more information, some corrections kind of thing uh, involving my last episode about Tommy Tompkins. First, 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 I did a shit job, you guys, of, of talking, of, of like explaining, um, like I don't stutter, but explaining like the stressors involved in, in like a person who stutters. I I realized after I had edited everything, after I like released the episode, I went back and I listened to the, you know, the recording or whatever and realized like, oh, fuck it. Like I made it sound like, oh, I sometimes mispronounce my words. So that's basically like a stutter, which is not what I meant at all. So I'm really, really fucking sorry that it came across that way. That is not the same at all. And what I was trying to to say, but did not adequately say was, you know, that's just like the, it's like the tippiest tip of the iceberg. Like whatever stress I feel about thinking that people perceive me as stupid when I mispronounce words, that is nothing compared to the stress involved for a person who stutters. Um, And here's the thing. So a lot of people... And don't do this, because I'm going to start getting really pissed off about it. A lot of people think, like, if something is psychological, that it's just in your head and you can just flip a switch and and change it. People think that way with depression. I, I myself struggle with depression and anxiety and even suicidal ideation. And I'm just going to maybe get a little bit emotional because I've had so much to drink, but... Um, Suicidal ideation is one of those things that I don't think ever really goes away. I think it sort of imprints itself onto your your mind and your heart and your soul, and it's always there, and you kind of have to sort of battle against it. Um, and that is not to say that those of us who deal with that are weak. In my experience both as a human being uh, and someone who has has dealt with <laughs> these issues uh, sometimes people just want to say like oh well what have you tried not being depressed have you tried not being suicidal oh oh my god no I've not tried that you mean it's just so easy I can just be like oh bling I'm not depressed anymore like go fuck yourself that's not how it works that's like asking somebody like oh have you tried not having cancer fuck you that's not how this is just because something is psychological doesn't mean that it's something that you can just instantly change okay it's like that with addiction disease and I will get on a goddamn soapbox about addiction disease Uh, The way that we handle addiction disease in the United States is fucking appalling. It is irresponsible. It is bigoted. Like, 
I I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna lose it thinking about this. Uh, it it here because here's the thing: the mind and the body are intricately and intimately intertwined. What affects us psychologically becomes neurological. So traumas that we experience become like they change our brains. I mentioned in the last episode, I study psychology. I am two semesters away from like literally being a psychologist. So I know what I'm fucking talking about and I will not put up with any mansplaining on this. The ancient Greeks really believed in this mind-body connection, and I believe in this mind-body connection because whatever trauma you experience, it, it does. It literally rewrites and rewires your brain. So it, th- there's no way to pull those threads apart. They just affect each other so completely. So it's not a matter of, uh, of someone saying, oh, I have addiction disease. Let me just, let me just stop. That's not how it works because your brain, it gets programmed. You, we, we program it to do things over and over and over again. So a lot of people have looked at stuttering as kind of a psychological thing when it's actually a neurological thing. But again, those things are intertwined. They're, they're connected. It's never going to work to tell someone with a stutter like, oh, just take a deep breath, just slow down. Like, no, that works for me who doesn't have a stutter, who may just mispronounce my words. I can take a, you know, a moment and I can pause and, you know, maybe resolve that. It's not the way it is for someone with a stutter, okay? So I I need you to understand that, that that's not what I was trying to say, even though that's I I didn't do a good job of explaining that. Um, You know, and a lot of it involves kind of our, our, there's, there's such thing as evolutionary psychology. What is that? So that is, you know, the way we have, of course, evolved over time to deal with certain things. Now, our brains are I don't know, created, I guess, or or programmed to deal with stress as a short-term event. What that means is um, that that the way we respond to stress, that was supposed to be kind of like a, a unique thing. Like it was supposed to protect us from predators, right? In an evolutionary sense. So what happens when we're feeling stress is our body and our brains, uh, they they pull all the resources away from what is deemed non-essential, okay? So that you can have that rush of adrenaline and you can run to get away from the fucking crocodile or alligator, whatever the fuck shark it is that's attacking you. We were not meant, we were not designed to live in a constant state of stress, one of the things that is deemed non-essential in our brains is communication. What happens with someone with a stutter is, uh, you know, there's, there's of course, the, the reality of, of physically having difficulty forming the words and really struggling to get those out, coupled with the stress of knowing that people are either going to treat you like shit or not understand you, okay? So at that point, your body is in a 
a state of stress, right? So it's pulling the resources away from you being able to effectively communicate. Your muscles will tense up, your heart rate is going to go up, your blood pressure is going to go up, and it is going to be that much harder. Do not tell someone with a stutter to take a breath, to slow down, to any of that shit. And and as I said in the last episode, do not ever fucking tell them or talk over them, right? Don't do it. And if you have ever in your past made fun of somebody with a stutter, uh, go fuck yourself. Unless you're like, oh shit, I did that and I was an asshole. Then, okay, thank you. Thank you for being smart now. Um, and speak up. You know, if you see that happening, fucking say something. We, we've we got to help each other out more than we do right now. It's just fucking appalling. So, I don't know. I guess, again, I, I'm so sorry that I did not do a good job of, of kind of explaining what I meant by all that and, and just... like struggling or stumbling over your words is not the same as having a stutter. Like this is a a really difficult thing to, you know, kind of work through in the society that we live in in particular. So that's, that's that. (laughs) Um, Whether or not all of what I just said is going to make sense. I have no idea. I guess I'll find out once I listen to this recording. So the second thing is, and it's kind of small, but I feel a little bit stupid about it. Um, in in my last episode so the airfield that tommy disappeared from or that that she like took off from when she disappeared is mine's field not minefield it's not like minecraft field it was mine's field. lax it's lax so anyway i just like i mispronounced it i'm not sure if i just dropped the s like i i don't fucking know what happened but i dropped the s and it's not minefield it's mine's field and i'm an idiot so i apologize for that um while while we're on the subject of pronunciation um so the author of seized by the sun is james your your fuck me fuck me sideways james your your fuck you guys why is this so So it rhymes with pure james your there we go i think i got it i'm gonna have another drink of whiskey hold on please okay um how do i know this oh my god you guys it's because he and i have emailed a little bit back and forth (laughs) brag 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 he is so fucking nice. He even listened to my episode about Tommy Tompkins and he was so sweet about it. You need to understand that this guy is like the like the legit expert on Tommy Tompkins. And he still listened to my episode and he was like, oh, it was really good and, you know, good job or whatever he said. He, he was much more eloquent than that. I'm drunk. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Again, James really is the expert and he is so fucking cool. Go read his book. You can uh, read it on like your Kindle or whatever or order a hard copy. It really, really is a good book. So uh, he also, he also confirmed the story about Tommy losing her stutter after she flew the P-51. Totes true. Uh, How? 
how how does he know this oh guess what guys elizabeth tommy's badass sister she fucking told him she told him that's how he learned about it and that's how i learned about it so that's dope go read his book i cannot say that enough times seized by the sun james you're go do it all right um the other thing i wanted to do is uh again quarantine you guys the quarantine's starting to wear on me and that sounds so privileged and i'm so sorry i just am getting to that point where i'm really like um (laughs) missing human contact (laughs) like actual physical human contact i feel like i'm gonna go crazy um and that's okay it's fine uh i don't know if i mentioned this before my kiddo is with my ex-husband in boston for the summer so it's just been like me and my dogs for the last couple of weeks and they're great they're so nice but there's something about just having human interaction that even though i'm an introvert and i'm shy and all of that i fucking need it you know like i would kill to have a hug right now (laughs) but that's fine um however uh, i know that a lot of people during quarantine are um listening to more podcasts so i wanted to give a few throw out a few of my favorite podcast recommendations uh if you are into true crime then one of my personal favorites is um it's called true crime obsessed and it is hosted by Julian Pinzavale and Patrick Hines. Ba-da-da. That's what they do at the beginning of every episode. Episode. Uh, what they do is they actually they watch these true crime like documentaries or series or whatever, and they talk about them. And they're super fucking funny. They are both like Broadway geeks. Um, they just they they crack me up. They are so fucking funny. They've done like so they've covered like. Um, Dahmer on Dahmer, Wrinkles the Clown, uh, The Two Killings of Sam Cooke, uh, Susan Cox Powell, so many. There's like a, a really deep uh, library, I guess, of episodes for them. So it's called True Crime Obsessed. Uh, you can find them pretty much wherever. They are really fantastic, and they just put out a great, great podcast. So if you are super into the true crime stuff like I am, this is a fun one because, again, they're covering, like, the documentaries, and they can be a little more lighthearted, I think, in some places, and they just make really astute observations. So love, 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 love them. Uh, Another podcast, totally different, not true crime at all, and I have no fucking idea no fucking idea how i stumbled across this but i found it within like the last um the last week or so and it is called (laughs) i know i'm gonna fuck this up it is called d k m h so that's d as in daiquiri k as in kite M as in Margarita, and H as in Ho. <laughs> this is like the 
can work. <laughs> and H is in O. God. Uh, <laughs> DKMH. It's a series um, of original poetry that is both written and performed by Dacre Montgomery. Okay, I love poetry, you guys. Like, Emily Dickinson is is my favorite. I love Edgar Allan Poe. Um, fuck. I love, I love fuck. <laughs> I love, um... Oh, why can't I think right now? Yep. Yay, go me. I was gonna say H.P. Lovecraft, but that's not poetry. <laughs> you guys, I'm so drunk. This was supposed to be done an hour ago when I was far less drunk. Okay. But, but do you know, you know what I'm talking about? It's just like that really good poetry that's like, it's just so good. Do you love poetry? Do you love to feel things? Well, if you do, you should go check out this podcast. So here's the deal. Dacre Montgomery. I promise. I swear to God. I looked up how to pronounce his name because I had no fucking idea. I'm like 99% sure it's Dacre. Anyway, he played Billy on Stranger Things. And I know it sounds like I have an obsession with Stranger Things. I really don't. I enjoy the series. Like, it's fun. I'm like, yay. 80s. I love the intro. I never skip it. I love that like fucking synthesizer music, but I I have fandoms that I am far more into than Stranger Things. I know I talked a lot about Jim Hopper last episode. He can fuck me six ways from Sunday. Uh, and again, I have no idea how I stumbled across this, but that's the actor and that's the connection, whatever. Dacre Montgomery. It's such good poetry. I love it. And he's got such a good actor's voice. And so every episode, every, every episode is, I don't know, maybe three or four minutes long. Like they're not super long, but it's just, it's beautiful. You guys, it's so beautiful. Please go check it out. It's, it's definitely worth your time. Um, Idle to Wait is my favorite of all. And uh, it just... Oh, grabbed me by the heart. I loved it so much. So go check that out if you're into poetry. And if you're not into poetry, fucking get it together and get into poetry. Um, the The other podcast I want to mention is uh, much more lighthearted, much more fun. And it's one I just started listening to. It is called... <laughs> fuck. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not called fuck. It is called the I'm gonna fuck this up the fun waste of time podcast (laughs) okay let me say that again the fun waste of time podcast so it's all about like super geeky nerdy shit like video games and uh discussions about movies computer home theater stuff um an old, old friend, an old, old friend. That makes him sound like he's a hundred years old. No, he's younger than me. But a guy that I've known for a while named Jason is one of the hosts. And he's what I would call a, vin- a vintage gamer. Um, they call him the retro gamer, but you know, I'm all about vintage. Retro, vintage. I don't know. I just think vintage sounds cooler and has, it sounds a little more 
polished. So Jason's a vintage gamer. Um, <laughs> he's He's got this voice that... I mean, grabs me by the heart and the hips. Like, he's just so fucking cute. I am biased because I dated him a while ago. But really, the whole, like, the whole podcast um, is just, is really well done. It's very professional. It sounds like a fucking news, not news radio. That was a TV show. It sounds like a radio show. Um, so, yeah, it's good. And if you're into, like, gaming in particular, you're probably really going to be down for it. So, anyway... Uh, those are some things that you can go check out. And did I mention that today's episode is like a bonus? Because I just wanted to tell you more about Mike Kolendorski. And uh, I'm drunk. So let's do this, right? I have fallen in love with Mike. That's the thing that you really need to know. That's really why this is happening. Because I am fucking in love with this man who is dead. <laughs> That sounds fucking awful. All right. But I did learn some cool shit. So last, I was like, last time on blah, 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 blah. Uh, The last episode, the only thing that I really knew about Mike was kind of his, in, 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 in the framework of Tommy's life, like how he fit into that and how he had influenced her. I knew a little bit, but I didn't know a lot. So I started digging because that's just what I fucking do. I get super into whatever topic, whatever person, and I just start dig, 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 digging. Um, I found out some cool shit about Mike. So Mike Kolondorski was born in uh, New Jersey in 1915. He attended Lakewood High School, again, in New Jersey, and reportedly um, he excelled at woodworking. I found a lot of rando newspaper articles about how good he was at word woodworking. No. Woodworking. Um, he actually, one of the articles that I found, he won first place in some kind of county fair contest thing for a birdhouse that he made how fucking cute is that um i just i don't know for some reason that just tickled me pink according to his mother he uh learn to fly from a super young age. She she said in one of the newspaper articles I read that um, he learned to fly almost before he could walk. So his family uh, lived near an airfield and he was always kind of around that environment and was obsessed with flying from a very, very young age. Um, when he was 16, he apparently dropped out of high school and started parach- parachuting? I almost said parasailing. <laughs> that is not what I mean at all. He started parachuting. So he would get in these fucking planes. This is in the fucking like 1930s. And he would parachute out. I don't want to do that now. But I can't imagine doing that back then when I feel like everything was far less safe than it is now. Um, but he fucking loved it. He was... Uh, so he was parachuting. He was, they, several articles, news articles that I read called him a grease monkey. Like he was always fixing shit up on the airfield and working on planes. And just that was kind of his thing. He loved it. He was also a bit of like a, an adventurous daredevil type. 
um, I found a news article from 1934 that was all about an accident that he was in um, that just seems to be kind of a typical Mike Kolondorski thing. Um, so he was one of a handful of what they called trick motorcycle riders performing for a like a small harvest festival or some shit. Um, and they would do like, like they would vroom vroom. <laughs> I'm such a fucking dumbass. They'd be on their motorcycles, but then they would like take their hands off the handlebars of the motorcycle and they would like stand up on the seat. If you guys could see me right now, I'm doing like this weird like surfing motion. But you know, like the like the circus horse riders and they're like, wee, watch me stand on the back of a horse. Like they're doing that on the motorcycles. He did that shit. Like, who are you, Mike? Oh my God. Like who does that? So he's at this festival and um, one of the riders was doing that, that whole, look, mom, no hands fucking thing and ended up losing control of the motorcycle which at this point I'm like well how are you even in control of the motorcycle but what I, mean, I don't know I fucking don't ride motorcycles so I have no idea how this would work but he lost control of the motorcycle and not not Mike but this other rider and went into the crowd and ended up injuring some people well so Mike is like further like way further away and his his bit was supposed to be to like come just screaming into the performance area I guess of the festival like a bat out of hell and do whatever fucking trick he was supposed to do obviously before cell phones he was unaware that there had been an accident and that there were all these people gathered and I guess there was like an ambulance whatever so he comes cruising and uh, you know sees this crowd of people and he's like oh fuck so he kind of has a choice at this point he can either crash into the crowd of people or he can crash into this like parked ambulance <laughs> and so he chooses to like just crash himself into this ambulance and he ended up fracturing his leg in like two or three places he had internal bleeding but he did that rather than hurt other people oh mike how about you don't stand up on your motorcycle ever again please <laughs> um Anyway, that just, I think that's kind of an interesting insight into his character. Like, I don't know. I, there, there's that part of me that thinks of Steve Rogers riding around on his motorcycle all the time. Not that I think Captain America would have been like, wee, ah, I'm standing on top of it. But that's more of like a Loki thing to do. Maybe Mike was a little bit Loki. He was Loki, Loki. Oh, fuck. I'm the worst. Anyway, um,. So that was kind of an interesting thing to read about. Um, not, and that was when he was 19. So not too long after that, he ends up moving to California and he basically just gets on his fucking motorcycle and he's like, bye across the country. Now I have moved across the country from like Rhode Island to Utah. And that's a long fucking trip now. Like I can only imagine New Jersey to Cali, like how long that would have taken, but whatever. He did it and he is working for an airfield in California and um, loving it by all accounts. That is when he marries 
a woman named Charlotte May Reynolds in September of 1938. Um, talked about that a little bit last episode. She divorced him, <laughs> which means that I am irritated with her. Uh, <laughs> so here's what's crazy to me a little bit. There were several, several publications about their divorce. Um, I can't, I'm divorced. I can't imagine if several newspapers like fucking like published, oh, Kirsten is divorced now because XYZ reasons, whatever. And I'm actually really good friends with my ex, my ex-husband still. But even then, like with the fuck, like newspapers are publishing this shit. So one of them, <laughs> oh my God, this is crazy to me. So one of them is like, Beep, 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 beep. Oakland Tribune, February 3rd, 1940. Love flies away. A divorce has been granted to Charlotte May Kolondorsky on the complaint that her husband, Stanley Michael Kolondorsky, an aviator of Polish descent, spent most of his time at the airfield and finally went to Canada to join the Royal Air Force. Like, what the fuck? This was in a newspaper. This is in a lot of newspapers. Okay, thanks. I'm so glad everybody fucking knows my business now. What is that? I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm not from the 30s or 40s. I don't understand. I guess that was normal. Who the fuck knows? So, yeah. <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> she apparently went. <laughs> oh my god. I love that part where she's like, he spent more time at the airfield and, and then he went and joined the the royal air force like i don't know why i'm giving her that voice it, well i do know why it's because i fucking am pissed like i'm sorry but if if the person that i was with was like you know what mm, i think i'm gonna go fight some nazis i'd be like holy shit let me pack you a bag and i'm gonna send you care packages every fucking day like yes also let's have the best sex that we've ever had right before we leave right before we leave right before you leave because mm, hero he row. But no, she was apparently pissed off. So I don't know. You know what, Charlotte? I would love to set you up with somebody. Um, I'm going to set you up with this person called Henry fucking Silver because it sounds like you guys both suck. So you can suck together. How does that fucking sound? Fuck you, Charlotte. And fuck you, Henry, because I will never stop saying fuck you, Henry. <laughs> somebody left a comment, like a review, like a comment in a review about my episode with Tommy and they're like, hey, have you ever heard of gaslighting? I'm like, you know what? That nails it. Because really, I Henry was fucking grooming and gaslighting Tommy and her family. And that's where I land on that. You will never change my mind. Fuck you, Henry Silver. Fuck, fuck, fuck you. <laughs> I'm drunk. And I still say fuck you. Anyway. Okay. So we know that Marriage ends in, like, February, right, of 1940. Mike's in New York for a little while, where he meets Gertrude. And it's the love story of the ages, in my mind. Um, he uh, goes to Canada, and by September of 1940, he is now in England. So he had to go to Canada first. 
And this was kind of a, like some of, it was like a by hook or by crook kind of thing. Some of the members of the Eagle Squadron had to really like sneak over there. And there was this kind of big question where these guys could have lost their US citizenship for um, joining another country's military, essentially. Like that was a big fucking deal. Uh, at any rate, he is in England by September of 1940. He's part of the Eagle Squadron. And um, he was actually interviewed in October of 1940 by a reporter for the Spokesman Review. And in that column, he is reported as saying, and I quote... I wish I had like a really sexy man voice, but I don't. So you're just gonna have to deal with my voice. But he said, I just could not resist the chance to join up and help the valiant Poles win back their native land. So last episode, I kind of surmised like this was why, you know, he wanted to fight. And then then I stumbled across this article where I was like, oh my God, that's exactly why he wanted to fight. So Definitely a primary motivation for him was, hey, I'm Polish. I want to help my, you know, people fuck the, na- fuck the Nazis. <laughs> so I, again, I just feel like that says something about his character. So um, there was a little bit more to it that though, because, wait, did I say that right? There was a little bit more to that though, because he says later in that same interview, and I quote again, adventure I wanted. I guess that's why we're all here. We wanted to get into big flying. Now we are in it. Uh, yeah, Mike, I guess now you are fucking in it. <laughs> no doubt. No fucking doubt. This guy is larger than life, right? And he lived his life full fucking throttle. I also came across a book called... Um, called War Eagles by uh, a Colonel James Saxon Childers. Childers? Fucking with the names again. We're going to go Childers on this one. It was published in 1943 and it was all about the the Eagle Squadrons, right? That were flying for the RAF. And he had a little bit of a section on Mike. And this is what he had to say um, about my new boyfriend's Mike Kolondorski. Uh, he said, quotes, Mike was a Polish-American boy from New Jersey. He was a complete individual and hell with the rules of modern air fighting. He hated the Germans and he wanted to get at them. Flying a fighter plane, Mike couldn't carry bombs, but he improvised some of his own. And that's the end of the quote. You guys, you guys. I'm going to fucking die. I'm going to fucking die over this. I love this so fucking much okay so here's the thing yeah didn't have bombs but you know what that doesn't stop mike no my boyfriend he he made his own fucking bombs because here is what he fucking did you guys he would chuck empty beer bottles out of his cockpit whenever he flew over nazi occupied camps or cities oh like Sorry, I just snorted because I love it. But then it gets better or worse, depending on your point of view. So one day he's like, what a fucking waste this is. These empty beer bottles. These beer bottles are empty. Fuck that shit. So, th- <laughs> so then 
Oh my god, I'm the worst, but I fucking love it. Mike, Mike, I love you. He pisses in the beer bottles and then chucks those out of the cockpit. Just hoping, hoping that they're going to dome some Nazi jackass right in the fucking head. Piss. He pissed in the bottles. I fucking am so in love with this guy. You, you guys have no idea. Well, you do now. I love it. Okay. Oh, Mike. Hero. Hero, hero, hero. All right. Well, Childers, Colonel Childers goes on to say in his book, quote, about Mike. He was a wonderful fighter, this Kolondorsky. The other boys in the squadron said he would be the first to win the Distinguished Flyer Cross or he would be the first killed. They were right. Unquote. I really, really, really think as tragic as the deaths of both Mike and Tommy were, and they are tragic, I really do believe that they both died doing what they loved. (sighs) At the same... God, fuck me with getting emotional all the time, you guys. At the same time, they were so fucking young. Mike was 25 years old. What the fuck? How are we letting kids this young go to war? Ever. And even now. How is that a thing? Both of them deserve to live longer lives. But I feel really confident based on what I've researched and and I'm going to keep researching both Tommy and Mike because I just love them both so much. I really think that Mike would not have picked another way to go. If he had to go at all, I think he went exactly the way he would have wanted. In a letter home to his parents shortly before his death, he said, quote, I live dangerously, but I like it. Unquote. So ladies and gentlemen and friends of all genders, Raise a glass to Stanley Michael Kolondorsky and Gertrude Tommy Tompkins. I want you to think about them and the way they lived their lives for themselves in the best way possible. And I want you to live your life for you.